Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, and welcome to the Sunday edition of the Bedford and Sullivan Podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And we've reached episode 55, and as a lot of you Brooklyn connoisseurs are well aware, 1955 was the year that the Dodgers won their only world championship in Brooklyn, and it's fitting uh, to me that we have somebody who uh, was basically raised in the heart of Brooklyn. He was raised on the uh, edge of Bensonhurst and Borough Park, and uh, he, he has a, a unique perspective of those years of the 40s, growing up in the 40s and 50s, of not only uh, the Dodgers, but also, uh, of course, of, of Brooklyn, uh, mostly. And uh, he, I, I met him, I, uh, I have a neighbor who has a recording studio in his, uh, in his apartment, and John is a, a big, big fan of making uh, videos of Frank Sinatra uh, songs. And, and um, he loves to croon all around town. And uh, he's here uh, to get us uh, started with this uh, 55th edition of the Bedford and Sullivan uh, podcast. John, thank you for joining me and take it away. Thank you. Yes, Go ahead. You. You, you, you have some, uh, some notes to, to, uh, to present to us, don't you? Yes, yes. I remember the, the Brooklyn Dodgers when they won 55. The headlines was them bums, and there was uh, a lot of cheering. In fact, there's a song about that place. There's a lot of uh, that I have. Uh, I can do part of it later. Uh, there was a lot of cheering. There was there was uh, block parties, a lot of beer flowing and beer gardens, and uh, basically uh, horns blowing and stuff. It was something like uh, the end of a war or something. And, and I remember I was yeah, I was 15 years old. I remember that. And I think I was fortunate to actually see them play at one time. And I'm talking about the original players of people like Farillo, Reese, Robinson, Snyder. In fact, I met them a few times because I belonged to a PAL league and we had our own baseball club. And I, I remember vaguely one of them, one or two of them came by to more or less cheer us up. We used to play in the Bay 8 Diker Park baseball fields. I belonged to a PAL club, and the team was the Crusaders. And, uh, yeah, I was a big baseball player fan. I was, my idol was Carl Ferrillo, number six, who used to hit the, the, the home plate once with his bat and then pick, pick up the bat. And uh, I think he was on left field at the time. And uh, I'd seen them in downtown Brooklyn. They used to eat in a place, I remember years ago, on Fulton Street, and they used to stop in Juniors for their cheesecake. And I think that they were loved by everybody, the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time. And uh, I think at the time we had these transistor radios. So uh, a few friends of mine, when we weren't playing ball or maybe working part-time, we'd find a bench or maybe a be on the beach or something uh, with a pretty lady and maybe listen to a ball game or something. So that was Coney Island, by the way. We had Raven Hall, <laughs> we had the beaches. And I think everybody had a transistor radio and either you listen to a ball game, everybody had their choice, or you listen to what was the era then, doo-wop, Alan Freed, Big Rock and Roll, Brooklyn Paramount, Teenagers and the G-Cliffs and uh, Frankie Avalon and uh, things like that, Dean on the Belmont. So I had a good growing up. I was a big movie fan also, thank God, and I enjoyed going to the movies. Uh, my favorite movies at the time were war movies and western movies, so of course the best man to put that in place would be the big Duke, John Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I also loved the gangster movies with, with Jimmy Cagney and Bogart, like the Roaring Twenties. And uh, eventually I adapted my, my uh, dress style to those people with the mohair suits, sharkskin suits, the fedora hats, the high collars, white-on-white shirts. 
In fact, I met some musicians in Harlem used to dress the same way. Their collars must have been 14 inches long down to their, down to their nipples practically. So uh, <laughs> I, I used to love style. And, yes, when I wasn't working, in fact, I, I'd been working since I was 16 years old. My first job was, I think, three days a week on a soda truck delivering beer. and I think basically sold it to the old bars down by the Bowery when the 3rd Avenue well was up. And uh, I always worked, basically. And Sunday was big family dinner day. Maybe eight, eight, ten relatives would come by and there'd be a big pot of macaroni and gravy and sausage and brazil and all the pastas there. And the, it was a happy family time. And then maybe after dinner, uh, the men would have some smoking and maybe play some cards or something. The woman do something else. If you were fortunate, you had a backyard. That's where you wait. And then I was about eight years old before all this. And uh, usually at night, my mother would give me a little snack, maybe chocolate pudding or something, because we knew we had to get ready for school the next day. And Brooklyn, where I live on Sunday, you knew it was Sunday, because uh, you could smell the different gravies that were being cooked. And <laughs> women going to church with their heads covered men wearing hats and suits, especially in the cool weather, uh, a flower maybe in their lapel or something. And there was a nice family time in the 50s. The cars were fabulous looking. I was fortunate to have a C6 Olds convertible. The thing was built like a tank. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had that for a while. And uh, 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 down the road a few years later, one of our favorite places to go on a weekend was maybe a, a good parish church dance. You know, you'd maybe, uh, hopefully, you'd hope to meet somebody that Saturday and, and get her phone number. This was before cell phones. And, and basically make a date with her for the following week. And if you were fortunate, which I was a couple of times, as I used to love to dress, I made a good impression. And, uh, yeah, I took the girl out to a movie, a dinner. At the time, in fact, you can go see a movie in New York and a dinner for maybe maybe $14. That's how uh, good it was. And there was no problem. You could take the train anywhere. I was very fortunate to uh, to meet a few girls at the time. I twenty. You were you were a ladies' man, John. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In fact, I had at the time, believe it or not, about twenty four suits who were, were handmade. I was making good money. Then I, I was in a good union, making good salary, and uh, saving a few dollars. But basically, spending it. I was very fortunate to to even go to the Copa one time and and the Latin Quarter. And I was very, very fortunate in 1963 with one of my first girlfriends to see the man Sinatra at Carnegie Hall. That was a thrill for me. I think I didn't get now, to now, like in the morning. Speaking yes. of Frank Sinatra, before we get into, and you obviously just covered a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff, but before yes. we get into uh, uh, the, the real uh, meat and bones of it, yes. can you give us a, a few, uh, uh, sing us a few notes of the, uh, the song you were referring to earlier? Yes, I can. It, it, it actually refers to Ebbets Field in the 50s, which is now, I think, a huge complex building. In fact, I was in that area about three weeks ago. I was looking for this, this place that, believe it or not, so suiting fabrics and stuff. I enjoyed picking out fabric and then going to tap something made. But, yes, the song is called, uh, I can give you a few lines, that there used to be a ballpark, and it goes, uh, and uh, there used to be a ballpark, where the field was warm and green and the people played their crazy game with the joy I'd never seen and the air was such a wonder from the hot dogs and the beer. Yes, there used to be a ballpark right here. There's more, unless you want to do something later. 
Yes. Well, no, yes. no, that's 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 perfect. And your nickname is Johnny Sinatra, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Believe it or not, I have about uh, 15 videos on YouTube. My latest one is called Old Devil Moon, which I think you saw me record mm-hmm. a few weeks back, and I'm hoping to do a new one. And I have basically, uh, it took me a long time to collect all these things, but I'm very fortunate. Sometimes people send me things. I have a huge collection of his. Uh, and, uh, in fact, somebody, I just got a call this week, somebody willed me two books, believe it or not, from an estate, and they should be coming oh, wow. in the mail. Yeah, they should be coming in the mail. And I, and I must have, uh, I even have, believe it or not, I don't know if his daughter's listening, because I know she has a radio show. I'd love to do a song on her show. But I actually have uh, a bereavement card from the family when the, the mother passed away. And I have a few things. I was in Hoboken last summer, took some pictures on the block where his house was but burned down. Mm. They have a little museum. They have his star on the sidewalk. And I have a few rare things. I do have a copy of his, uh, his uh, marriage license back in 39 in Jersey <laughs> City. And uh, I, I think that my, my greatest uh, part of the collection is, of course, the recordings. They go back to, like, 1938, believe it or not. I think I have, if anybody's interested, all the Columbia originals from, from uh, all of nothing the at 78s. all. The 78s. The 78s. James. 78s, I have 45s. I have 33, which used to be played in the jukeboxes. I don't know if you've ever seen those. They, they, they come with three songs. You put your quarter in, and they were mini albums at the time. They were called 33 and a third. So you put a quarter in, and you saw mm-hmm. Come Fly With Me. They'd be Come Fly With Me, maybe Brazil, and another song. And uh, you got three songs for money, and it was a nice, nice uh, time to, you know, you'd be sitting down with maybe somebody having a dinner or something and you'd hear old, old blue eyes blaring out of the jukebox and I well, was the only one that played him. Yes, let's go, go with the, uh, let's, let's go with, the, you know, your musical life in the 1950s. Uh, you know, yes. other than Sinatra, you said, you know, you were the only one who would, um, uh, it, it certainly, I gather, has to do with your Italian background uh, in, in many ways, why you uh, while everybody else was listening to rock and roll, even though you listened to rock and roll, you were still listening to Frank. Yes, I, I. In fact, I used to do rock and roll. We had a little group going, and where I lived, I, in fact, I can name the block. Remember it, 64th Street. I went to St. Rosalie School at the time, the original school. And uh, yeah, we used to go uh, up the block. There was like a an abandoned building with like a stoop front. Later on, if you cable it or not, I think a, a funeral parlor or a butcher something. Haven't been there in a while. And yeah, there was about five of us, and uh, you could, and nobody ever complained. And we'd sit like, like on a warm summer night, maybe nine, ten o'clock at night. No drugs, no guns, just just uh, trying to like you see in the movies, harmonizing with with good songs at the time, you know. And it was really it was really nice. You'd sit down on the stoop, a cool breeze. Maybe somebody passed by and, and give you a like a congratulations. Oh, you sound good or something. I like that song. And there was basically a lot of uh, camaraderie, people sing, a lot of friendship, never any fights. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooklyn was like you see in the movies, Brooklyn. I, like I said, I grew up in a fairly good area, basically Italian and Jewish and a few Irish in between, but where I grew up was basically Italian. And there was always somebody singing. There was always somebody uh, who had a brand new caddy convertible or something, you know, always somebody you call up to, look up to. We had a few people, in fact, I thought they, they, they should have been in the movies. That's how 
how good looking they were. And we also had our share of uh, a lot of good looking women that came from our neighborhood. And uh, thank God, I will say this much, that the original friends I grew up with, maybe there's a, there was a dozen of them, we all followed the same rule from our parents. We got a job eventually, graduated, and uh, raised families. There was never any headlines about us, you know, anything bad. And uh, we all, which was a nice, a nice thing to do, we all went to each other's weddings. And uh, through the years, this, we, we did, I did have a house at the time. And every so often, you'd get a call. We're going to have a little get-together somewhere in somebody's house. So it was a nice, I loved the 50s. I loved the music. In fact, they show a lot of these things on what are What um, are some of your favorite songs uh, uh, that, you were, that you were not only listening to but singing on the corner? Oh, uh, the ones I used to, oh, there was, uh, it's hard to name all, but there was a lot of good ones. There was, uh, I used to love the group, Leandro and the Hearts. They had a couple of uh, hits, I think, Raindrops or Teardrops on my window, things like that. There was, in fact, a friend of mine, his brother, people that are listening might be familiar with it. This one guy that grew up on my block, he's still around. He had formed a group called the Three Friends. And I remember I was in the Utrecht High School uh, the song became a cult. It was, it was called Blanche. And the lead singer at the time, I think, was Joey Villa, who's still around. And the song became a fairly big hit. It was called Blanche. A lot of, I think a few people I've spoke to might have an old, dusty copy of it. You know, I found and, uh, it on YouTube. I mean, uh, even if it was an yeah. old, dusty copy, what, one of the beautiful things about YouTube is the fact that uh, yeah. you're able to literally just record the recording of it and, and throw it on yeah. there. It, it really is preserving our our cultural history. Now, let's go all the way back. You were born in 1940, correct? Exactly. In fact, two more weeks, I will be 74, believe it or not. I'm, I'm older huh. than water, but I feel like 34. <laughs> well, I get, I, I get <laughs> that that's definitely up. not the, the case in terms of being older than water, but that, yes. that's a great phrase. I, I don't think I've ever actually heard that. Uh, where, yeah, older than water, so, yes. <laughs> so let's, let's get very specific. Where sure. were you born? I was born in Brooklyn uh, in Kings County Hospital at the time, which was uh, fairly new, I think. The area was good. And uh, I was born on July 9th, which will be next Wednesday, 1940. In fact, I was born the same year as Frank's daughter Nancy, but we're, and we're a month apart, believe it or not. So I hope nobody's huh. listening that knows her age. Yeah, she was born in June in Jersey City. I was born in, in, in July in Brooklyn. I think she was born in Jersey City. And uh, at the time, my family had a nice, I think, like a three-and-a-half-room apartment. There was an older brother and my older sister, who was still around, thank God. And uh, in the 40s, uh, you know, I started Catholic school. And, and uh, it was, like I said before, I was born in Brooklyn. Always, I only moved out of Brooklyn once many years ago, and then I came back, and I started raising a family. Of course. Of course. Yes, and, and I was very fortunate in the 40s. I remember when the war ended, I remember we had the block parties, and I was banging the spoon against something. I don't know what it was. And until today, I never found that spoon. With all the excitement, I dropped it. And we had block parties. I remember they had, I think I remember the word is effigy from Catholic school. And I remember they hung uh, Hitler in effigy. And there was a big straw dummy of him on my block where I grew up. Plus the block I grew up with on 64th was very, very friendly, very working class people. We had access to two trains, a few buses, a good shopping area on 13th Avenue, which was Borough Park. 
and 18th Avenue. And then if you wanted to really take a trip to the better stores, you went downtown to Fulton Street. And uh, if you were fortunate, you could go to A&S and they had the green room upstairs where you could eat. Or if you were in the mood for some Brooklyn Dodger cheesecake, you went to Junior's. So I basically used to love to go to that area. And uh, there was a few clothing there for women, Martins and things. But the 40s, I remember, were very good to me. I started school, and on Saturday, it would cost me, I think, 11 cents to go see two movies and a serial mm. where they, they showed these people, like, racing bicycles and things. And it was like a comedy thing, like the, uh, you know, like the uh, Three Stooges or something, and they'd give you a ticket, a raffle ticket. And if you had the lucky number... And uh, at the end of the movie, say you had number nine, and the guy on number had number nine was on a bicycle, and he won. Well, I was fortunate one time; I did win an Erector set. So <laughs> I can't complain. Yeah, I, and I used to love the movies. They used to call it air cooled at the time, not air conditioned. You had to wear a shirt. And I was fortunate that we had three movie houses in my neighborhood. Now, speaking so of which, I looked I looked one of them up. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was the Endicott Theater. Now, what's interesting about that is that it closed down in 1954 and became a, a supermarket rather quickly. That's right. Uh, That's so, right. so what do you what? Tell us a little bit about the Endicott Theater, and then of course go uh, t- tell us about the other theater as well. Sure. Well, first of all, the Endicott I passed by there about three weeks ago. So I used to go to this restaurant on Friday, which was right across the street from it and I would do some singing on Friday, and I think now it's a Rite Aid, believe it or not, and, and <laughs> not to cut you off, but, but across from that, the Envy Coffin was a supermarket. Uh, when I was first married, there was a great bakery there, and I love crunchy Italian bread. I grew up on that, so every night on the way home, I'd pick up my bread, and it had to be crunchy to dunk into the soup or whatever the gravy, you know. But yes, it was the Envy Cot, and I used to, it was about five walking blocks from my house, and what we would do at the time, because people would really have a lot of money, and my mother was kind of wise, she would make a dollar last till Sunday. So we'd pack maybe two peanut butter sandwiches with jelly, or, or even, a, uh, you might have not have ever heard of this, but it's a favorite amongst Italian, a greasy spinach sandwich on white cup, on white bread with, a, with the garlic, and the, oh, man, and, the spinach, and the spinach had a leak through the bread. If anybody's listening, they'll know what I'm talking about, or a day-old meatball. Yeah, the, spinach, the, the oil had a leak through the bread. You had it with cellophane. And I remember distinctly walking there with my friends on it like a day like today. Oh, we're going to be in the air condition pretty soon. The air cooled. And, and I was, uh, was I mesmerized. I would sit there and look at the coming attractions. And, uh, and, and those days, I'm talking about like the 40s, uh, there was, I don't know, there was a, a good quality and actresses, and the movies were entertaining. There was never anything vulgar. It was always imagination, never anything cursing, never saw a bathroom in a movie. And uh, it was a nice time. The, the good guys always went out at the end. That's why I think uh, uh, my favorite actor was John Wayne. I can remember sitting through Red River and being mesmerized by the way that man just carried on. And then years later... Well, there was Angel and the Bad Man. Then, of course, there was the Sands of Evil Gene. And in between, I, I liked my uh, Jimmy Cagney in the Roaring Twenties and Love Me or Leave Me, a great movie, 1955. That was years later with Doris Day. I'm very fortunate to have a, a, a DVD copy of that, Jimmy Cagney and Doris Day. And at the time, I wasn't too thrilled with any musicals, and we had a few of them at the time. We had a, mm-hmm. There was On the Town, of course, with Sinatra and Gene Kelly, and then there was one movie I remember, 
And I heard some controversy about this man later on if he was murdered. I hate to bring it up, but I remember seeing the great Caruso with Mario Alonza, and there was some controversy later on about him and uh, if he was murdered. And I don't know, but I, I remember reading something vaguely. And uh, this was before rock and roll, but you, you can sit in a movie with your greasy sandwich and uh, there was always somebody maybe that would sneak in and have a cigarette at the time. You know, we were at that age, but I never did that. And yeah. I just enjoyed sitting there and uh, watching. In fact, one of my other favorite movies that was, I think, reissued when I was about seven years old, it came out in 42, was this real ladies' man. Uh, they died with their boots on, Errol Flynn. I sat through that mm -hmm. movie about General Custer. He made one called San Antonio and, and uh, uh, what was it, I think, the, was it Tombstone? I said the name of it, but there was a few of them, and there was uh, always good, good, good movies. I mean, if you want to see a good, a good, really good drama movie, you had Bogart playing the role. You know, he was he was great, and uh, and I used to, in fact, I was I, I didn't tell you this, but at one time after seeing those westerns, we had a place where you could actually rent the horse for an hour for maybe a dollar. And I gave it a try. And I wasn't that bad on it either, but I did have one bad experience. Uh, whoever put the saddle on for me at the time didn't do it right. Huh. And, I wound up, and I wound up kissing the bridal path, and I think I fractured my arm. Oh, man. <laughs> so, I, so I came home. My mother says, here we go again. Yeah, I actually, in fact, I, years later, I was fortunate to have my own horse, but this is down the road. And uh, but talking about the 40s, it, it was a nice feeling to go see these movies as a kid, and you know when you came home that your family was going to be there and maybe your father was just coming from work or something. That was basically uh, like from 1946 after the war to like 54, and then I, I started working as a teenager, mm -hmm. and it was, it was nice. It was a nice feeling. I said, you, you Look, Let me work. ask you about your father. Where did he work? Yes. He, both my parents, first of all, were born in New York. They weren't born, you know, come over with the old boat. They were both born in New York. My father was born in the village, Greenwich Village. The house is still there, believe it or not, on Canal Street. And now they're, they're was, both full Italian? They were both, uh, they were both born American-Italian. My mother was born on Broom Street. And, uh, in fact, I have to tell you an interesting story about my parents. My mother was born on Broom Street. She would have been... 101 this past May, hmm. and my father was born in the village on around Spring Street. He had three brothers and sisters. My mother had, I think, three, two sisters and two brothers. And uh, I have to tell you this interesting story. My father at the time uh, had a very lucrative job, but there was no really future in it. Uh, this is how we met my mother. He was into, uh, I'll put it this way, his boss was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a guy called Dutch Schultz, which was like a lieutenant of Al Capone's. My father was basically, in those days, a bootlegger, like you see in the movies. <laughs> and yeah, with the camel hair coat, I have pictures of him in the 20s. And uh, he had met my mother at the time. I think she was working at a telephone building or something, uh, or I forget where it was. I heard this story a lot of times. And he basically started, they started going out and dating. And uh, he had at the time a lot of money. And, uh, of course, that all ended when the Depression came and then my sister was born. But years later, my father wound up working. In fact, I worked in the same trucking company with him. He worked what you call a high-low driver with a big, huge roll paper, the Prince of Roll paper, like 1,200 pounds. 
and his job was with the high-low to unload them off the freight cars and put them on what we call flatbed trucks, and then they would go to the news news departments, you know, with newspapers. You see them in the movies. They, they look like big, big, big uh, things that paved the street, and that's how the newsprint would become of it. But that's what he did for many years, and I wound up in 59 working in the same company as a driver, as a teamster, when I start making my nice wardrobe money. Yeah, he worked there. My mother uh, had a, a little part-time job when we were brought up, I think, in a, in a Woolworth, believe it or not. And she used to leave notes when you come home. So we learned basically how to cook, how to iron. We were never wanting for anything. There was always food on the table. Apartment was clean. We had five rooms. We moved eventually. Had five rooms. Uh, very airy and, and, you know, really breezy and everything. And uh, my favorite companion was my little dog at the time. And I had, believe it or not, you're not going to, I don't know if people are familiar with this, so I have a good memory. I was very fortunate back in 48 on Christmas, because this man was a big name at the time, to have a Hopalong Cassidy bike with two hostes on the front. It was a black bike. And I wound up with a pair of the boots that he used to wear for Christmas. So that was my Christmas, a Hopalong Cassidy bike. <laughs> and I had it for many years. I think I passed it on to my nephew at the time. Those so, bikes still, those bikes are still uh, pretty, pretty sound, man. I mean, you know, obviously there's, there's yes. some maintenance to be done, but, but uh, they're big. Yes. I, I will give them yes. that. They're, they're very, very big. It was a, yeah, it was a good bike. I can remember carrying it three flights up the steps, you know, I mean, nobody ever oh, man. bothered it. Yeah, we lived in a nice three-family house, not no big, big apartment house. We were on the third floor, which was very breezy and airy. And from my kitchen window, you could see this drugstore on the corner. It seemed like every corner of the drugstore. And basically at night, uh, if my mother looked out the window, that's where she'd see it, me and my friends singing doo-wop. We were right on that wall to that drugstore. It was like one little step there that you could sit on with those little white things that they had, those things like you see like in the old hallways. And basically that's where we would be, maybe uh, 9 o'clock at night or something. And then we knew, we all knew, my friends, that the next day, ooh, so we never really stayed out late except maybe on a Saturday or something. And uh, Well, before, uh, before yes. I, I'd be remiss if we didn't get into uh, your relationship with the Dodgers. And I think it's, it's very interesting to get your angle about it uh, because oh, I've yes. talked to many, many different fanatics. Um, and yes. I wouldn't necessarily call you a fanatic, but, but uh, it, it's, it's still interesting that because of, of who, who Brooklyn was and who the Dodgers yes. were, you didn't have to be a fanatic for it to mean something. No, but I'm glad you remind because I do have something that maybe people might think doesn't exist anymore. I'm glad you brought that up because years back in the 40s, I remember going to a Woolworth store and buying this album at the time. It was an album like with black pages and we used to buy these corners, gold color, and you would take them out of the envelope and put them on the pictures. Well, if anybody's interested out there, I have uh, from the baseball cards from the 50s, the original Dodgers, when they used to give you the gum in the package. I have the original Washington Senators, but I have the original Dodgers from 19, we'll say 1950, Carl Ferrillo, Carl Erskine, Duke Snyder, Jackie Robinson, uh, uh, what was his name, the, 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 the catcher there, uh, the, the, I can't think of it right now, but I have all the pictures there and baseball cards. I did inquire about them one time, and the, the fellow told me that, oh, Roy Campanella, and the, the, the fellow told me that if they were in good shape, they might be worth something. I was going to leave it maybe to my grandson, my oldest one, 
but uh, it's still in my house. But if anybody is interested, I don't know if I want to sell them, but I do have the original Dodgers baseball cards. And uh, in the back, well, certainly, of the table, let's certainly uh, at the end get uh, you to you know plug whatever you need to plug and uh, you know give whatever information you need to give for people yes. to get in touch with you. But but tell sure. me about your you know experience following the Dodgers back in the forties and fifties. Oh, uh, well, the, my experience was few people that, like, I knew, we wanted to be them. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be called for role number six, like I told you before. And uh, and I was fortunate, like I said, like I used to say that song, Ballpark. I think I did see them once before I really started working. And I, I felt very sad when they moved out. I basically I basically lost feeling towards it, but... I, I uh, remember seeing them, and yeah, we all wanted to be like the Dodgers at one time. We didn't want to be the Giants or the Yankees. This is, I guess, because we all grew up in Brooklyn, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah, and and at the time, like I said, uh, I, I enjoyed playing the game. We had a uniform. We were sponsored by the PAL. In fact, I think in '56 we won against a few other leagues at the time of the PAL. And we wound up getting, uh, for reward, a Chinese dinner. And we had our name in the old Brooklyn Eagle, believe it or not. And mm-hmm. the pictures were taken. Yes, so I did play baseball. I had my uniform with my bat and everything, my gloves. And I was an outfielder. And there was a connection to the Dodgers. And I think when I did go to the game that day, I think I did bring my glove, hoping maybe I'd, I'd catch a ball or something. But it, it never happened. But we were Dodgers. We used to hear people arguing about the Giants and the Yankees. And uh, I wasn't interested in that because I didn't live in New York at the time. But I was a huge Dodger fan. That's why I said that's why I have all those pictures in the baseball mm-hmm. cards with the Dodgers. I have teams out there anymore. And also, not to throw it off, at the time that they even came out with these historical cards that I had collected also, uh, pictures of, of, of uh, Churchill and Custer and Washington. So I had a combination of that, but I do have a lot of baseball cards with the original Dodgers. They were about maybe a four-by-four. They would come in the bubblegum wrap at the time. Uh, I wasn't crazy about gum, but I did save the cards. I put them in a nice Woolworth album. Now, these pictures go back to 1954 because that's the date I have on my album when I started collecting them. And they were in these little squares, black and gold squares. And I have, like I said, Ferrillo, Gil Hodges, Roy Campanella, mm-hmm. Snyder, uh, Pee Wee Reese. Uh, I, I don't know or remember all of them. It's been years, but they are oh, yeah. uh, in an album uh, from the, the bubblegum cards that we used to get. I think you would get a package for maybe a dime at the time. So I was fortunate to collect them. I didn't collect stamps. I collected baseball cards and historical cards. and pictures of cars, believe it or not, when the new cars would come out. But I do have all the Dodgers. That, that you mentioned before in the baseball cards. I have, uh, I have them. I had, I had my own. In fact, I have pictures of me playing ball with my number six Carfarillo uniform. PAL. We'd love to see those. We'd love to see those. We can post I do those have on Facebook them. as well. I do have them. And in fact, the precinct that, that sponsors is still there, 66 Precinct on 16th Avenue, which covers a lot of the Borough Park area. And uh, and that's the ones that sponsored us. And the year that next we won, time, next time you're at Michael's, we'll scan those in. So bring those, bring those photos the next time you're you're about. I will. I have nice photos. Yes, I have nice photos of me uh, playing baseball with my uniform on. I must have maybe a 14 waist or something. And uh, very, very, very agile. I, I could I can jump like three, four feet and catch a ball with my my uh, 
left hand on the glove and everything. I even caught a few balls backhanded there running for them. And uh, thank God I never got hurt, but I was a very good fielder and, and a, a fairly good hitter. I, I had my share of maybe doubles and home runs. Not all the time, but I love the field. I love when that, that ball be coming between the sun and you and you just go after it. It was a great feeling. <laughs> and, a, and a few times I was fortunate to throw that ball from field to maybe to the, to the pitcher to relay to home plate. But we had, a good, we had a good team. In fact, they were called the Crusaders, believe it or not. I don't know who got this name, but we, we got the, the Crusaders. And uh, we had a manager who was so, a little so older. Here, so what, um, you guys were the Crusaders. What yes. neighborhood, what, what was, was there like a specific uh, uh, town slash neighborhood name that was attached to your, your, uh, the Crusaders name? No, it was somebody that I think knew uh, either medieval history or something, and they thought that that would be a good name for us. Right, but of, in uh, terms of in terms of the way the police athletic league worked, yes, uh, uh, you know, you guys were the Crusaders from where? Like, how, how oh. did they distinguish? How, how did they? Uh, oh, we were. We all were, these yes, I understand. We were the Crusaders from the from the from the 66 precinct, uh, 64th Street area. Okay, and okay. Uh, the 66 precinct on. Of, okay, Damage. so it was like the Crusaders of the 66, uh, the 66 precinct. Yes, and and I still have some pictures I think that were taken of us when we won uh, from the old Brooklyn Eagle. They had pictures of us in a Chinese restaurant, if I'm right. not mistaken. Yeah, we were sponsored by. I even have my still have my button P A L. It was a green button. I don't know if P A L exists anymore. But the 66 precinct on 16th Avenue sponsored us. And another thing about that precinct, years later, I didn't know it. I was dating somebody, and you know, well, it just didn't work out. We were young, you know. And then many years later, I had to go to that precinct to uh, report some some something happened. Either my car was missing or something. I don't know. And the girl that worked there unbeknown to me was the one that I had dated many years ago. She worked, I think, in the, uh, <laughs> in the office or something. So it was like a connection there. But, yeah, the 66 precinct. On you got so many after. girls out there, John. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know about a lot. But, I, yes, I was fortunate, I guess. I was fortunate to, to really, uh, yes. I, in fact, I dated a few from Bensonhurst. I, I, I dated a couple from the city. And uh, I always managed to go to nice places, as I said before. You know, this was the 60s and 50s. It was nice. Yes, I think I had my share. I even have some pictures of them yet, believe it or not. And, uh, well, I think most of my friends had the same thing. Either you had one girlfriend or, you, you know, you, you went to these dances. Like I said, there was a few parishes I can even name that had great dances on a, on a Friday or a Saturday. One was where I went to Regina Potts' Uh, on 65th Street, which became the the, uh, the new St. Rosalie. Monsignor Chofi made that a dedication. If I think the Korean War ended, and these these poor Italian people, they 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 put their dimes and quarters, they scraped them up, they put them in the in the box, and and uh, lo and behold, that church you can see it on 65th Street was was built I think in '54. Monsignor Chofi and these people with their, their little donations. Yeah, and there was a couple of other parishes. There was one, I think, on 4th Avenue in the 20s or 30s called St. Rocco's. There was another one, another parish on uh, 17th Avenue and uh, I think 49th Street. And we, me and my friends, if we didn't have any girls at that period, yeah, we would go to these, these dances because it was nice to get out. And uh, one of my favorite dances was the cha-cha. And, and I remember this one parish that we did go, 
you had a choice. Uh, if you went on a Saturday, you had like a Latin band. I remember seeing Tito Puente in person. And you had a band that would basically do the stuff I like. You had maybe a, a four-piece band with a female singer or something. And uh, it, it was nice. You had your band. You had your, your, your cha-cha. And then, you know, you take a break if you met somebody. And we went downstairs, like, to the uh, cafeteria. And they did you know, maybe a Coca-Cola or something, you know, no liquor. And, and then you, you, you'd be hoping that, you know, when you exited the door that she'd give you her number. So I was fortunate. I did get a few numbers. And at the time, I had my 56 olds convertible. So I was basically the man. I, I, I had nothing to shame. <laughs> yeah, on Saturday, I, I, this was my routine. In fact, on Saturday, I would get up, get my car polishing, you know, whatever had to be done. And then I had to go. A lot of people don't maybe notice, but, well, people still do it today. But... On the Saturday came one one thirty. I went to my favorite barber and got a trim, a shave, and a facial, and my shoes cleaned. So you're talking about maybe two hours. I wanted to look like Cary Grant when I went on that date that night. So I had everything in place, and then I would I would lay one of my favorite suits out at the time, put it on the bed, maybe a black mohair, uh, maybe a, a pink on pink shirt to match it. I used to love colors, uh, a vest maybe a different color, and my shirts, well, until today, my shirts are monogrammed on the left sleeve, cuffing shirts, and my favorite collar, if anybody is interested, was the one from the Come Dance With Me album with the eyelid pin that Tanaf was wearing, <laughs> that I used to wear that shirt a lot. Yeah, I had those collars made, they were, there. I, they were like two and a quarter inches high, and you'd put that pin in, and uh, of course, the shirt collar was about two inches over the jacket where it should be. And the sleeves had to be at least an inch off the off the, the suit or jacket sleeve to show either the cufflink or the uh, or the uh, the monogram. I used to have my monogram. It was either JMS, which was my middle initial Michael, or my name John, and it would be the navy or whatever color contrasted with. And it was always either white on white shirt, pink on pink. Uh, for a while, I went through these changes of getting a uh, like a maybe a blue-on-blue shirt with maybe a solid blue collar and cuffs, you know, and it was always with cufflinks. And on the uh, and on my left hand was my ruby pinky ring, which designates my birth, July, which July is ruby, or the Chinese say hung. So I know because I'm seeing a Chinese girl. But, uh, yeah, that was, that, was, that was my pinky ring, my, my, my blue pinky, my hung pinky ring, ruby red for July which is my birthday, and, uh, and I also had a blue pinky ring in case I was wearing maybe a, a blue suit at the time or a blue shirt, and everything had to be matched. The, the clothes had to be dry clean with the crease with cuffs, uh, not hanging down like you see today, either a belt or suspenders. And, well, and John, course, you know, based off of the, uh, the suits that you're wearing at uh, yes. the video shoots, uh, you're still yes. as sharp as ever, I'll, I'll say that. That's yes, in sure. fact, you reminded me also because at the time you had to have one thing. A lot of people, but I always did, uh, you had to have the one thing, which was the hat. And I was fortunate to go to this guy who used to make hats. And if anybody sees me on video, you'll see me with the pork pie hat with the band. In fact, it's on the picture of an album called Sinatra Swing in Session, 1960. I was fortunate to have about, which I still do, about 10 of those hats. People might know me. They might say, yeah, I remember walk with them. One was a powder blue. One was a jet black with the black suit. One was a gray. So the hats always matched. And the next thing that always had to be in my breast pocket was the red hanky. That's an used to wear, the red hanky, no matter what color the suit was. <laughs> and the only thing I didn't, 
the only thing I never wore, which I hated, which you're not supposed to wear on a Saturday night anyway, is a brown suit. You're supposed to wear dark colors, but you go out on a Saturday night. So brown suits were out. Those, those were for the people in the 1940 gangster movies, double-breasted. My style was three single, three-button single-breasted, small lapels. Uh, you'll see the style on Mad Men. And, of course, to accentuate, you had the breast hanky, the hat, and the eyelid collar shirt. So I, I was good to go. I would put on my Swing of Lovers album. I'd be with, I've got you under my skin, and I would head out that door, start my car up, and away I went. And I wouldn't come back till maybe <laughs> 3 in the morning. And, uh, we, yeah, it was a nice thing. And if I was lucky to do what you call some marine races, you park in Sheep's Head Bay or something with your girl under the moon. And, uh, yeah, you know, you, you did a little thing, making out and stuff, and you took a home next day. Uh, if the family were, you know, if you were fortunate, the family would invite you over for Sunday macaroni. So you were with your girl on a Sunday dinner, and, and, uh, and that was it. But that was how the weekend was spent with me, doing my car, getting it cleaned and washed, and then getting myself uh, all, uh, all gleamed up like the guy on GQ magazine with the, right. the shave, the trim. And one thing I did, I don't know if people are, are aware of this, but the barber I went to, he had what they call, it was like a wick about six inches long, and he would light it like a candle, and he would, what they call, singe the hair. He would cut it with the scissor, and if you singe the hair, I heard that this went back to Roman times, and the hair would always be even when you left that barbershop. He would singe the top, and you could smell it burning, just like uh, maybe a quarter of an inch of it. He'd go over that, then he'd put the, uh, you know, the, the blower on, and, and you were good to go. So when I went home, I didn't have to wash my hair. It was already washed, and I had the, the thing singed with the candle. Wick. <laughs> you were ready. So, uh, yeah, I, and, uh, and, yeah, and I basically would, would take out my soap on a rope. And I, like I said, my clothes were always laid out on the, uh, on the bed. The shoes were always perfectly shined because at the time you had a lot of places in these barbershops that they hired a maybe kid or some teenager, and he'd pick up a few hours on a Saturday shining shoes, and, and we used to call it spit shine. I used to wear floor shine, which was a great shoe then, probably still is, and we'd call it spit shine. In fact, they would put a match to it, put the polish on, and then wipe that thing for maybe six minutes, and uh, yeah, throw a little, uh, that's where I think where it comes from, a little spit on it, wipe it off, and those shoes, those floor shines that I wore look like mirrors, and in contrast, with my cuffs pointed like a, like a, a front of a boat. Yeah, I was in style. I got to say that those shoes. Shine. You, you certainly were, John. We're running out of time. Uh, I just yes. wanted to make sure that you did enough time to uh, plug your, to plug your thing. So go ahead. Uh, what's that? The, the video? Uh, plug, plug whatever you want to plug. Well, yeah, yes. If, any, if, if anybody's interested, uh, do a wedding or something. I, I have a, a great selection of, of arrangements. It's not for recorded. And a uh, pretty good voice. You can look me up on YouTube. You'll see I'm dressed fairly natty. And uh, the voice is pretty good. And uh, my favorite songs I would do, if anybody was interested, maybe a, a veteran or something that brings back somebody's memory, a first date, a first you know, birth or something. Songs like uh, That's Life. If it's a sentimental party, it was a very good year. When I was 17, it was a very good year. Or, of course, the sexy witchcraft, those fingers in my hair, you know, stuff like that. And my favorite, of course, which I always start off when I do a show, is is a song that is closely associated with Sinatra World on a String. I love doing that song. I love so where can, where can they find you? They can find me on YouTube, 
uh, John, F-R-I-C-E-L-L-I. -L 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 look up YouTube. You'll see my latest video called Old Devil Moon, and you'll see a great rendition of Old Man River and also the house I live in and the studio where I go, which we're familiar with. When we make the videos, the, uh, the smooth spot that's in charge, Mike, he throws in some background scenes, so it looks like I'm actually singing in a nightclub or something. And I think I am going to do a video of there used to be a ballpark, and maybe Mr. Wolf will pick up some I'll help you edit all the photos in there. John, I, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Thank there's you. Obviously, there's obviously a lot. To, uh, there is a lot more to cover. Just let me know. I'll be glad to talk about the Dodgers, about John Wayne, about Sinatra. You mentioned it about Marilyn Monroe. You mentioned it, and, and, and exactly. I'll be glad to talk about it. Even the Kennedys, whatever you got, I'll be glad to talk about. And <laughs> well, the submarine I, I, I appreciate you being so open. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Thank you. Yes. Bye. Take care. That's our show, everybody. Have a great Sunday. Take care.